Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hey, I'm Scott Pipe. Hi, I'm Nick Percat. You are listening to Inside Supercars. All the racing I've done, supercars and, uh, you know, all the GT and drifting and all that kind of stuff, I think it all helps. A lot of seat time and having some good times racing, it's, it's a lot of fun. As long as we don't allow some of the lunatics to um, get the keys, then uh, it'll continue to be at the, um, at the forefront uh, through hard work and diligence, particularly on the part of the team owners and investment by them. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. And welcome again to Inside Supercars with Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock. G'day, Craig. Hello, Tony. What another great weekend of racing it was at Sydney Motorsport Park. Just just a wonderful uh, array. I mean, (laughs) to use that line, the usual suspects out there, both Fabian and Jamie taking the two wins, both in their own way dominating their days. And uh, I suppose one of the uh, the all-knowing things about this season is uh, Scotty McLaughlin's qualifying form. Just Mm. quite extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, it is indeed. But what wasn't unnoticed, Tony, is the amount of grass that was around the public areas and uh, the seats in the grandstand. There was a real a real issue with crowds. And across the board, crowds have been up substantially this year. Uh, they certainly uh-huh. weren't up at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park on the weekend. Well, I would assume, uh, Craig, that you would uh, got into conversation with the uh, highlight of this week's show, which is... You sitting down with the CEO of Supercars, James Warburton. This was on the subject. We we certainly mentioned about the uh, we mentioned about the crowds this year, but on Friday uh, when we recorded the interview, we didn't know what the Saturday and Sunday crowd was like. So I make yeah. this comment as an observation, uh, but yeah. certainly it, it, we talk about the strong crowds we've seen so far this year, and the numbers are well and truly up. But uh, I don't think they were at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park last weekend. And uh, I know right. Peter Norton okay. has got a fantastic photo uh, highlighting that, uh, which is going doing the rounds on Facebook. Which uh, we'll be able to see on Facebook, on the Inside Supercars Facebook page. Oh, I'll put it on there now. Yep, OK. All right, let's just have a quick chat uh, on the agenda items. There's certainly uh, Sydney Motorsport Park, and then we'll talk about the, uh, the test day coming up uh, at the start of next month. But... The weekend, we saw McLaughlin take his uh, 13th pole for the year out of just 18 qualifying sessions. He has moved in well and truly into ninth place of the all-time list, with a distinct advantage he has, of course, compared to some of those he competes with against. Well, when we're talking about those records, uh, Marcus Ambrose, for example, has four pole positions at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park. He was the top of the tree. Uh, by virtue of the fact of alphabetically he normally is at the top of the tree when there's a tie. But he did that over four years because there was only one pole a year. And then on top of that, uh, he did it in a what was about a six-year uh, main game career. So he's four from six. Uh, Scotty probably has been around about five years now and he's got, uh, uh, what is it, five from 15 very, yeah. very healthy strike rate, but you do have to temper. You know, Peter Brock's got one pole position from probably five starts there. Um, the, the one thing to counter that, and, and this is not trying to pump up Scotty's tyres because they don't need pumping up. He well and truly does his own work there. 
But the one thing, of course, is that in, you know, still is the most competitive touring car series on the road circuits, um, that Scotty can be so dominant. Seven in a row, you know, unheard of, really, in our series. And uh, just a wonderful performance. Unfortunately, he, again, for the third meeting in a row, has shown he does have a very large chink in his armour, that being his starts. Losing far too many places, far too quickly, and I'm sure it'll be something he'll be working on their test day to come up. Yeah, indeed. And look, also interesting is uh, gaffes. We saw a gaff at uh, Clipsal right at the beginning of the year. We saw a gaff at uh, Tasmania, which didn't result in a, uh, a points penalty because the race was uh, declared a non-race. But uh, we we are seeing gaffes, and uh, you know Shane Van Gisbergen is the first one to say, "I'm out of this championship, or not as competitive as I'd like to be," is what it actually means, because of mistakes. And that is uh, uh, that is what at the moment looks like it will be the only, the only challenge to Scott McLaughlin's title. It's it's going to yeah. be own goals. Yeah, indeed, and he's had far too many of those penalties. I think this is the third meeting or maybe fourth meeting he's had them, mm. um, and there was a combination. It was well handled by the stewards in terms of yeah, certainly there was a in race penalty given, but then they went back to the. Uh, uh, restart, which, you know, there's a lot of conjecture about should they be uh, reviewing their sideline procedures and their restarts, and it would seem likely that's going to happen this season or for the next season anyway. Yep, and, um, and, and you are right too. You are right too, Tony. They did say, all right, well, we gave him a 15-second penalty on the racetrack. We re readdressed the... Um, we readdressed the penalty when we looked at it all in after the race and went from careless to reckless. So they yeah. then put 18 seconds on to match a 33-second drive-through. So yeah. that I, you can't, you, in my opinion, you can't fault the officials for that. They they made no. the they made the decision on the during the race, which was going to upset his race, but had a the least detrimental effect on his race. Had they yeah. pulled him through for the drive-through, and then went back and went, oh, that was careless, not reckless. You can't give him the 18 seconds back. Yes, indeed. But you indeed. can always take and another 18 seconds off him. So I think that I, was responsible. Yeah, and I think it was it was handled well, and they responded to some obvious conjecture out there amongst team managers that maybe the penalty was not harsh enough for the uh, crime that Scotty caused. Anyway, moving on from this weekend, um, as I said, uh, both Fabian and Jamie came up with wins. Fabulous work. Both teams, Penske and uh, Triple Eight, still doing the great job they are. And uh, getting ready for 2018, that the test that didn't happen last year will now be at Phillip Island, September 4 to 5. Three cars involved, three drivers, McLaughlin, Tander and Caruso with their respective teams. And they're going to be doing evaluation for the 2018 tyres. Now, they're using three different specifications, using the same compound. But one of the biggest differences this time is they're going to be having some external infrared sensors so they can monitor the temperature on the surface of the carcass so they can actually see what's happening on all three cars. So plenty of variation, plenty of information and data. There's been some very dreadful things written. I make the foolish mistake of reading them. Some stupid, uninformed people who should keep their heads and and they don't put their names, of course. They're all gutless enough not to ever put their names to them, making comments about Dunlop tyres and they know nothing at all 
They are fools and buffoons, and their comments should be wiped off the websites that they, they write these comments on. I'm sorry, I'm sick and tired of these people who make these stupid inane comments. Dunlop have been producing a tyre for the specifications that supercars has wanted for years, had the contract because they've done a bloody fantastic job. And they've given the, the racing this year another twist because they were asked to, and now they're making sure the tests that didn't happen last year, they will go to 2018 with a well and truly evaluated tyre and one that will suit them well for the season of what they're asking for. Mm. Uh, Rick Kelly apparently was uh, pretty unhappy because, oh, it's the seventh failure of the year. and blah, blah. Well, you know, I mean, we don't have a specified camber angle. And so unlike many categories in the world, so that gives another compliance in there that teams can use and the engineers play ducks and drakes. And, you know, they're, they're not going to meet things. They're going to try things all the time. And unfortunately, go too far and you'll get a tyre blowing yeah, up. Yeah, but I, I don't... Anyway. I don't believe those tyre failures on the Nissans were necessarily caused by camber. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was Todd Kelly's was because it got ripped on the sidewall uh, from one of the backsides of the ripple strip. Now, okay, okay, right. and yeah, well, we can remember that surfacing yeah. for years. Yeah, and that, that's not a new one. That's exceeding the track limits. And if you happen absolutely, to penalise yourself uh, further by damaging your car, then I guess that is uh, the penalty for it. We'll go to a break now, and then after that, we'll be back with James Warburton talking about this year's racing. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. And welcome back. We'll be going to the interview with Craig and James Warburton and how the season is going so far. Oh, uh, brutally competitive, incredibly close, and probably one of the best championships I think we've uh, we've ever had, to be completely frank. And um, you know, obviously we're into the Enduros, which is a great time of year that uh, everyone uh, really enjoys. And then obviously, you know, finishing out the year with um, you know what no doubt will be one of the best street circuits in the world uh, in terms of getting into Newcastle, which uh, everyone's looking forward to. Changes are constant, and uh, we have seen quite a few changes throughout management, through and more to come, obviously, by the end of the year. How has that been able to be settled down and, and transitions put in place? Oh, look, you know, I think for us, it's been you know the same, you know, sort of leadership team really uh, over the last four and a half years. Um, you know, obviously, Matt Braid's done an outstanding job rebuilding the commercial, uh, you know, sort of side of the business and working, you know, sort of hand in glove with me, but. Uh, you know, like, like an eating family comes first, and you know Matt's you know got some you know some personal issues he's taking care of, and he'll work through to the end of the year. Uh, we've got some you know great faces back, um, people like Kurt Zawalski, uh, who's actually back, you know, sort of looking after Newcastle for us, and um, you know it's a, it, it's a really great team of people that um, you know put it all, put the show together, so to speak. And it seems like uh, it's been a, a big bounce, particularly. At the venues and the events has had a has had a very strong rebound over a couple of years of plateauing. Yeah, 
mean, I think that you know the the, the core is to you know move the sport as far possible mainstream as you can. You know, given that motorsport does tend to fall you know more into the overall niche category, and I think we've done a you know a good job at really you know getting out there in terms of our growth plans and our vision plans and putting a number of things into place. And you know, every every one of them is a building block. And I'm pleased to say, you know, in the early part of you know my tenure. Uh, things are really about, you know, sort of sustainability of the sport and rebuilding it. Now it's actually about growth, and um, that's how we're viewed, you know, in terms of, you know, growing those metrics. And I talk about the fans, you know, voting with their eyeballs, their feet, and their wallets. Um, and, uh, you know, we've been very fortunate that we've been able to do that, put a lot of investment back into the, you know, sort of the big signature events. And I think, you know, most importantly, um, you know, the teams, uh, as, you know, wonderful partners have done an extraordinary job in making the racing product, you know, amongst the best it's ever been. And, uh, you know, all that comes together and, you know, everyone enjoys the sports, which is uh, really positive for the sport. Mm. Now, the uh, much vaunted and talked about sale, it uh, didn't go ahead as planned. And I'm wondering, is it because the offers weren't good enough or is it because you think the horizon has, with such strong growth ahead, means that it could be worth a bit more if... Uh, if uh, the current owners hang on to it a bit longer? Oh, look, it's, it's, it's probably all of that. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, we've had that many offers over the last four and a half years that I've been here, and, you know, there's so many rumours in terms of what people think, um, you know, should have happened, would have, could have, you know, or had to happen, and it's simply not the case. You know, the, you know, the, the owners have done a, a good job with it, um, you know, in terms of Archer and, you know, obviously done the grid-free arrangement and given the, the teams a much greater cut of um, profits. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of opportunistic buyers and they all convinced themselves that they were going to, you know, pick it up for a, you know, a lower level of investment and it's not the case. And, you know, they all convinced themselves it had to sell and, uh, and that's not the case at all. So, you know, for us in management, it's actually just about business as usual. You know, it's actually about, you know, making sure that we are, um, you know, do, doing the job and, and growing it. And, um, you know, this sport's only getting better and better and better. And, um, you know, I think that, um, It'll be, you know, incredibly strong. You know, we talked, you know, almost five years ago um, about being a top three sport, only accepting really being behind the AFL and the NRL. And, you know, have a look at the moment at, you know, rugby union and, um, you know, soccer and other codes. And I think that we are um, getting stronger and stronger and, you know, the numbers are, are pretty astounding from our point of view. I'm I'm interested in the relationship with Liberty Media. It seems like the partnership that you're able, then that you've been working, you and the team have been working on, has been very successful. You've managed to uh, turn around the position in Melbourne from Bernie's very uh, negative stance. And from every piece of uh, information that I'm getting, Liberty see supercars as a as a, a very big partner into Asia. Uh, yeah, I mean it's probably. Probably you're probably over egging, egging in a touch there. I think um, you know really they are great supporters in the promoters they've got. So what's good for Melbourne uh, is you know is good for Formula One and is good for them. And so I think the draconian rules, you know, whereby you know no one was allowed to do anything effectively, um, you know, sort of went out the door. Um, you know, when Chase, you know, Ross and uh, Sean uh, came on board. They saw the quality of what we did. They were all there in person. You know, they all toured our garages and saw the quality of the entertainment we put on, the level that we operate at, and said that you know supercars is a good thing. You know, to you know work in concert with Formula One. So rather than obviously, uh, you know, sort of to work through the logistics of becoming a championship round with both 
uh, Formula One and, of course, you know, Australian Grand Prix. Andrew Westercott and his team have always been, you know, wonderful to work with and we were able to achieve that. But I think we then took that a step further and the step further is, you know, we became uh, or we've been authorised to be an official, you know, sort of support category um, on the Formula One card outside of Australia as well. And so that's a relationship we formed and a contract that we've executed. So that allows us to, you know, in a, in a limited way, you know, we can't be with every race, of course, um, you know, but for a couple of times a year to join existing events and existing Formula One events. And so if we can make the economics of those deals work with other promoters and bring Australian tourism and, you know, exposure to other countries, um, then that opens up, you know, a really exciting way for us, um, you know, to expand in Asia as well. Does that also mean you really need to expand the grid a little bit to allow for some Asian drivers to be able to get involved in the championship or at least through the wildcard system into those events? Yeah, and I think, you know, a, a huge part of the, um, you know, of the wildcard, um, you know, sort of test this year in terms of Super 2, but more specifically in terms of wildcarding ability is always there, um, you know, and um, I think you'll find that uh, there's, um, there's, a, there's a couple of plans afoot um, to broaden our driver base. And, you know, obviously we've you know, done a really good job with, um, yeah, well, you know, actually I'll rephrase that. Simone has done an incredible job, you know, in terms of, cementing herself in the category and, you know, a massive learning year for her. But, um, you know, she's done an incredible job and won a huge amount of respect from both the fans and the teams and the other drivers. And so uh, there's, a, there's a few more moves afoot, uh, Craig, which um, will be revealed you know, at the relevant time. But, yeah, no, we're really excited about, you know, broadening, broadening the scope and becoming a little bit more regionally based. Having said that, we'll always be in an Australian series. And uh, we're really just looking for two Asian races on our calendar of 16 events. What about two New Zealand races? Uh, look, you know, it's one of those things. Um, logistically, it's possible, um, you know, but we've always, you know, had a had a contract and a relationship with um, Auckland and with the Ateed um, side of things. And I think with the logistics of the calendar uh, and, you know, the time between Gold Coast and Newcastle, which obviously you want to compress for the teams and, you know, for... A, you know, for the fans and, you know, get out of that Christmas area. I think it's almost logistically impossible, um, you know, because we're two weeks, two weeks, literally two weeks. Um, so Gold Coast, two weeks. New Zealand, two weeks. Newcastle. So um, I think it's almost logistically impossible. And um, at this particular point in time, you know, there's no investment from, um, you know, sort of from government to actually do two races. They're pretty happy with the uh, the, the show we put on uh, Pukekohe. Mm. When you are looking at the growth, I know that, you know, licences particularly are always for sale. Uh, you just have to have the right price. But we know of there's three licences that are potentially available and we've got a number of teams looking to expand. And then obviously uh, there's teams now talking from the Dunlop Super 2s that would like yep. to make that leap. If agreements can't be made with... Uh, current rec holders to shuffle the deck, if you like, is uh, where does Supercars sit with opening up the grid a bit further? Oh, look, you know, I think the commission, uh, you know, will we'll, we'll get to the format for the next meeting, uh, and you know, I see no reason why you know everyone feels that the Super Two um, wildcard program has been extremely successful, um, you know, with, with those um, Super Spin rounds, not only for obviously to bring through new driving talent, but uh, also in terms of, you know, sort of bringing through that next generation of team owners, you know, mechanics, engineers um, and the like. So it's also ignited that, um, 
you know, I suppose the, the passion in all those teams to really think this is where we want to be. We want to be main game. And, uh, you know, we're, we're aware of the fact at the moment that there is a shortage of Rex. Um, but that's how it should be. You know, I think we've, you know, through the hard years in 2013, 2014, you know, the Rex became a liability. Uh, but now, you know, we, we actually have, you know, some energy and some, you know, focus back in the business. And obviously the financials have improved substantially. And now we've got, you know, a shortage of Rex. And I think that's exactly where it needs to be. And the Rex market, it needs to be built, you know, more than, you know, where the current prices have been. So um, I think it's a strong thing. Uh, we, we won't be expanding from 26 cars. Uh, you know, it's 20, 26 cars and 26 wrecks, which, you know, sort of sit on the grid. Um, but, you know, there's, look, there's always deals to be done and um, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out uh, ahead of the, um, you know, the entry for 2018 uh, on the Friday after Bathurst. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's Stewart Grand Prix and I just remind myself of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard and you're listening to Inside Supercars. And welcome back. Craig's going to continue on talking with James Warburton, finding out and giving us some information on how the night testing went, getting ready for racing under lights in 2018. Oh, look, it's got to happen. It's, it's, it's got to happen. It's going to happen, I would have thought. Is step one, step two is the how. So, um, you know, it was a very limited test, really, in terms of, um, you know, using a bit of the short track and actually, you know, sort of trying to, um, you know, just, just look at, certain sections. So I think we now know what we need to do. Uh, we need a lot more light than we had, um, you know, clearly. But, um, you know, very positive. It's, it's absolutely the right thing to do. I think the excitement, you know, that we've seen through the paddock, you know, today and also just the feedback from the fans, I mean, to get a compressed format, you know, that counts for, um, you know, full championship points and to be done uh, either midweek or weekend, we haven't decided, uh, will be very, very important Um but, you know, very, very important for us to um, to try and get up off the ground. So it's really a logistic and television exercise, which is why we wanted to do the testing we did. Uh, certainly, um, previous managements have always said lighting the track was never the issue. It was the facilities, parking and, and everything in and around that was the expensive part of it. Is that not your gut feel? Uh, well, it's, I mean, it's a bit of everything. I mean, you, you need a lot of light, you know, on a track, whether it's, you know, two kilometres or three kilometre, you know, sort of circuit. So you do need, you do need a lot of light just on the track alone, uh, let alone the facilities. But, um, you know, we're, we're lucky at Sydney Motorsport Park that they're actually, you know, sort of a fair degree of the infrastructure in place. Um, you know, ultimately, long-term Sydney Motorsport Park, you know, have made submissions to Cabinet to actually get, you know, permanent lighting installed, which will increase their business trade, you know, substantially by over three hours every day, you know, certainly through the winter months. Um, so, you know, we think it's, you know, we, we, we obviously, you know, really believe in it. Um, whether you make it a made for television, you know, sort of special event or whether you, um, you know, open it to the public, I mean, you can debate all those things, but there's a lot of logistics. I mean, you know, we operate under some, you know, pretty 
intense you know, regulation as every other event does, and um, there's a lot of things to be taken into account. Is Sydney, is Sydney Motorsport Park the only venue you would consider going ahead with, the, uh, with this type of proposal? Uh, at, yeah, at, at, at this point, yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's Sydney or bust for a night race? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to fo- you, you, you got to focus. You got to focus on. I think uh, you know, number one, number two. Um, you know, Sydney is the only circuit that has any desire, you know, or plan towards getting permanent lighting in as well. So I think we should reward that. Um, you know, prove prove the case with them and for them, and uh, you know, ultimately to actually have a circuit, um, you know, circuit with permanent lights, and I think would um, would be outstanding for it. Mm. How have you? Um how have you worked through certainly the the uh, noisy section of the uh, and I, I don't know whether it's a majority or minority, so I'm not going to label it, but the noisy section of uh, the Newcastle uh, population that have every every day it seems like from day to day the Newcastle Herald is either supporting the race or giving you a clip behind the ears. <laughs> oh, look, you know I think the community's spoken. I mean. You look at all those polls and, you know, pretty massive numbers from the Newcastle Herald and the um, polling that the council did. Uh, there's, a, there's 150 people that are against the race. They're not interested. They're actually not interested in noise. They're only interested in stopping the race. So you've just got to work through the logistics we operate under all the normal regulation. Uh, you know, we have to comply with all the, you know, normal things that um, businesses have to comply with. And, you know, it's just a matter of working through the plans and we're working with acoustic engineers and all that report. Uh, will be made public, um, you know, in the next, you know, sort of towards the end of this month, early September, and um, you know, we just you know continue to work through all those, um, you know, all those the noise, so to speak, pardon the pun, and um, you know, and as you can see, the you know the track's taking shape, and it's uh, going to be absolutely outstanding in Newcastle in November. Is uh, is the end of year banquet going to be held up in Newcastle, or will that be brought back to Sydney? No, 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 Sydney, Sydney. Yep, so Sydney on the Monday night after Newcastle, as as is uh, normal practice. And with the Super Twos, we we talked a bit about wild cards, and obviously uh, you've highlighted the success there. But the Super Two series itself, this year, um, we've seen such a diverse range of drivers, but we've also seen uh, the format really seem to give uh, a lot of meaning to the track time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as we sit here today on a Friday, we've got race one of the you know Super Twos out on the track, and um, what it means is we can give you know the right amount of time in terms of you know post race interviews and and you know profiling to the Super Two drivers, and we've worked very hard towards that, and you know making sure that, that you know sort of the category fits in in the right way with um, supercars and the rest of that, and then you know as as we've talked about um, the Super Two wildcards, so. You know, I think there's a degree of generational change that will wash over the you know, over the driver market um, in the next little while. And um, you know, we knew it was going to be an incredibly um, strong year, as it was uh, a few years ago. And uh, you know, I think there's a number of very capable um, drivers, uh, the vast majority of which are actually co-driving. Uh, you know, sort of through through the uh, majority of enduros, and uh, it's a really really important um, you know, market for us to continue to develop. To develop. We've also announced, you know, the Supercars Academy, which probably takes it a, st- a step lower than that as well. Yeah, so we're talking about getting, you know, sort of 16 to 20 of that, you know, kind of next generation of drivers that haven't made it to Super 2 yet and really thinking about how we can assist and aid them, you know, through an academy-style program. And, uh, you know, the, 
really looking to get that up and running by the end of this year and that'll, you know, sort of um, work its way through, you know, just before the, the launch in the, in the season next year as well. Mm. Now, Jeff Kennett says his belief is there's a five to seven year window for a CEO, a chairman to be operating at the highest level in, a, in an organisation. Obviously, you're getting close to that mark. How do you subscribe to that sort of theory or um, where do you sit in, current, in your current role? Oh, yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, I think it's a balance. I mean, I think um, we've probably missed two years in terms of um, survival mode. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I always view these things as, um, you know, the runs are on the board. Um, but it's actually a matter of setting out your vision, you know, talking about what you're going to do. And then, uh, you know, as you've heard me say at many of the gala dinners, you know, you wouldn't actually want to do any sporting role without the support of the competitor base. And obviously in this case, the team owners that we spend a lot of time with and are our business partners. So as long as I've got their support, you know, we'll keep on running around. And, um, you know, I think, as I said before, you know, the, 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 the proof's in the pudding. So um, uh, we'll just keep going and, if someone ever asks you to stop, no problem either. <laughs> well, James, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you and uh, look forward to seeing how this championship rolls out with the uh, Pertec Cup on the horizon. It, it could really shape or break a number of people's years. Certainly will. Thanks so much, Craig. Appreciate it. And from James Warburton, we'll come back after the break with our final thoughts for this week's show. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Bet the Cars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian Times since we've been back and we unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au and welcome back to inside supercars going to reprieve uh, an old favorite of uh, race facts that was cries and whispers picked up some interesting ones at the weekend craig first off the hunt for licenses one of the interesting ones was a rumor about a certain motorsport manager recently left a manufacturer maybe out there looking for a license and there's a bit more out there of people looking for licences. So there's some movement there. Even talk about Adrian Burgess popping up in a new team. So there's plenty of movement out there and not a lot of it's getting depressed. So that's an interesting development. Mm. And it was, fasc- it was fascinating, James Warburton, talking in that interview about the value of a licence and how, um, how now... It's good that uh, there is demand for licences because it brings the price up. And, uh, you know, that is that is a fair observation. I put to him about the three licences that I've heard the cries and whispers about. And uh, he's he didn't back away from the fact that, yep, there's three, but I think there could even be more. And we already know that there's one team that's looking for a second licence. There's... Uh, another team that wants to be based in Newcastle, so no surprise they're going to try and get a licence. And then you've got Matt Stone Racing that's openly saying, we want a licence. Well, there's three licences right there. That might uh, that might help the uh, three that want to move them on. It will be an interesting development. And one final thought that I had was an interesting uh, an announcement uh, recently by Tim Watson, uh, known as a uh, one of the stalwarts of the Essendon Football Club. His son is uh, just about to leave. 
And Tim made an observation on talking footy. And there was an observation about a man that we've known for a long time, Tony Cochran, now CEO of the uh, Gold Coast Suns. And Tim actually sort of made mention of the fact that Mr Cochran needs to be aware that he has two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> that Cochran is a bit too willing to give his opinion on things he really knows nothing about. <laughs> God, it was a really interesting development. Mm. But so much for inside supercars. Hey, 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 hold on a second. I had a uh, final thought as well. I, yes. A lot of people like to get down on Jamie Winkup and, uh, oh, and yes. say, say things about him, but uh, it was put to him about the um, fact that he has the most race wins, the most championships and the most poles. And uh, this little quote went by without the uh, uh, attention that it deserved. I'm still in the heat of the battle. It's still happening. The most poles will probably be taken away in another couple of months, I guess. And Tony, uh, that's one of the things. People don't really appreciate the self-deprecating humour that uh, Jamie has has got. And uh, I, I guess they're so used to... Uh, him being so focused and serious, they they miss it when he does uh, throw out those uh, those one-liners. He is a wonderful, quick wit, and uh, most people don't know it, and you have to pay attention. And certainly, I'm glad to see that you did. I heard the same thing, and I think it's a wonderful moment. It certainly is a fascinating world, the world of inside supercars. And Craig, um, thank you for giving me an interview with James Warburton. We look forward to more such interviews in the near future, giving people that chance to learn more about the game of motorsport in Australia at the top end. And some interesting so stuff Inside ahead. Inside Supercars, Craig. Good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.